I dream of going up to her and sitting down next to her, taking her in my arms and saying, look at me, listen to me. You will survive. You will have a good family of your own and three children. And as hard as it might be to imagine, your daughter will grow up and become the president of the United States. Republicans seek to take control of the House of Representatives. Republicans are going to retake both the House and Senate. A liberal MSNBC host warning Democrats about the potential for a red wave. Do we have any sort of canary in the coal mine type indications of where we may be headed on that front? Fox News is calling the Virginia governor's race for Republican Glenn Youngkin. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. Welcome on back to the Ruthless Variety program. Of course, that was Hillary Clinton, who has now unveiled a new masterclass for her many fans. And apparently experiencing a psychotic break. (laughs) That's wild. (laughs) Like, I I, I honestly think that's a good point. It's not like, here's how you do something. Like, my understanding of masterclass is like, hey, you know, we got some famous chef. They're going to show you how to cook. What is Hillary teaching folks? So I signed up. Oh, I for, love that you I, signed I, up. I, I signed up because I think it's going to be good content. You Can know, we like, do like a mystery science theater. Of? That's exactly what I'm thinking. Oh, exactly I love that. what I'm thinking. That's it's, well worth it. It's just incredible because you know, I mean, the entire uh, corporate media has spent uh, the last nine months talking about <laughs> Donald Trump and Mar-a-Lago, and oh gosh, you know, he's complaining about the last election, and isn't that so sad for this guy and Hillary Clinton's been doing this for five years. She's still yeah. doing it. Five, five so years. So the hook, the hook on her master class that they rolled out was that she would be reading her acceptance speech, oh her victory God. speech, her, which apparently that what we just heard. A victory she didn't have. Right. At right. the Javits Center, she wrote, as you remember the history, only one speech, and it was a victory speech, wow. right? <laughs> so she, in this master class, is evidently reading this garbage. It is years. I mean, we're talking. Honestly, yeah. I Here, think I see Duncan. Like, a great idea. I would love to hear that. All right. I got to get mad for a second because Why? I like to get it's mad. It's so fun. I know. It is fun. But Hillary Clinton's victory speech at the Javits Center, let's just recall that she didn't give a concession speech at the Javits Center, that she was such a coward that she wouldn't even come out, that she sent out Podesta Podesta to say, oh, you know, go ahead and go home. There's a lot of results still to come. She was such a coward that she would never even come out. All these people come there to see her become president of the United States, and she's such a coward that she sat behind the uh, curtain and didn't come out. (laughs) It's a fair point. She was at the hotel. What a weak person. She was was at the hotel block away. She never even showed up. Yeah. She never even showed up. Yeah. Did uh, did Mitt Romney give a concession speech? Yeah. I believe he did. Did John McCain? Yeah. Yeah. Bob Dole? Yeah. Yeah. George Bush? Yeah. I think even John Kerry figured that out. Yeah, but the Republican Party is dismantling democracy. Yeah, right. But not this woman who's now going to get paid to give you lectures about how she lost elections. I cannot wait for this. This content, I mean, look, one of the highlights in politics I've had over the last 20 years it was sitting there that night watching MSNBC during the course of that Incredible. election. And like, so I can only imagine how fun it's going to be to relive it through the eyes of the candidate. Yeah. 
Oh, but I, I, I mean, I just wonder what the classification of Hillary's masterclass is. Like, you know, what topic is this under? Like I said, you know, you usually think of masterclass. I think like it's under leadership. Leadership, leadership? which She's is giving, just the saddest shit. Oh, it's, it's clearly so good, like dude. not on how to win elections. So good. She would have a class like, oh, oh, you know, hold, on, hold. it should be like crime and, and such of like how to get away with it. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. I'm actually here <laughs> as as now a member of masterclass. I'm here in on. The website and it says Hillary Rodham Clinton. The subheader is the power of resilience. Oh Jesus! Bouncing back after a loss. <laughs> yeah, I don't think she bounced, pal. I don't think she bounced. I mean, honestly, they could basically just stuck on the floor for the last five years. There, there would be money to be made if she were to teach a master class on her actual skills, which is like here's how you get rid of the fingerprints. <laughs> You gotta make sure you know <laughs> the right. best. Here's the steps you take best, care of it. Here's best how you was. disable a prison's cameras. Yeah, yeah. then you the, go the in. How, how to set up a done. private email server? Yeah. How to hide your husband's sex crimes? The best one I've, I saw today was if I did it, the Vince Foster so did. It. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> a masterclass. Oh man. Anyway, this is gonna be a banger of an episode. You, you probably know by now. Our guest is Congressman Dan Crenshaw who's had a lot of controversy around him this week for some comments that he made uh, last weekend. And we want to we want to jump right into the middle of it. That's what we do here. Yeah, at why the not? Program. I mean, I want to hear what he has to say. It seems to me he was like taking shots at Republicans. I've always had my issues with him because of the whole uh, uh, red flag laws. But hey, let's hear what he has to say. Now, listen, it's a great interview. Everybody's going to get something out of it. You're going to have... Um, a guy that takes everything r- directly on. I think right? it's one of the best interviews we've had on the program. I, I 100% agree. I, because I heard like five minutes of it, and it is definitely like unfiltered. Yeah. 100% no, you know, this is not a No holds barred. Well, that's what we do release. at Ruthless, right? When Ted Cruz was getting assailed by everyone, he comes on Ruthless and gives us his side of the story. We have some laughs, and we figure it out. And you can take from it what you will. Right. Right? Yeah. But that's the difference between us and everybody else. That's right. Is that we're not going to come in and tell you what to think. You got to listen to it. And right. I think you're going to have some interesting takeaways from this. So anyway, I'm excited about that. Fellas, let's, let's read a couple of five stars. I love our five star reviews. I, I want to take the first one. Okay. So we have Bobby J. Rage Muffin. I love that. And the title is just purely phenomenal. I'm a new subscriber to the show, but my Lord, is it glorious. All of it. No better way to take the horrors of modern politics than with hysterics, banter, and the absolutely brutal grilling of some of our political elite. Josh, Michael, and Smug make my Tuesdays and Thursdays fantastic. More please. I love that's it. Why, and, and that's exactly like the theme that's of the show today. That's what we're doing today. That's Perfect. what we're doing. Uh, Dunks, you want to take the next one? Yeah, this one is great. This is from uh, The Soup is Hot. Uh, title is Dominate the Libs. Uh, it says... It's all about domination around the holidays. Right. It's the six inches in front of your face. <laughs> the crew has laid the blueprint, and it's time to get up in some grills. Yeah, that's great. Great. Somebody got the message. I like that. Somebody got the message. Yeah, clearly they've consumed all the Thanksgiving content. Yeah, that's it's exactly <laughs> what it's there for. Um, I want to get on uh, a, a couple of victory laps. And the first one, as you recall, is uh, somebody we've provided great fanfare around in over the program is Saul Omarova. Count Chocula is coming your way. Yeah. Count Chocula. Count Chocula has withdrawn 
her nomination. Oh no! And 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 I love how the takes coming from like the New York Times is many Republicans were very uh, racist against communists. <laughs> And uh, she was born in the Soviet Union and we used that against her. And it's like, no, you know, she wrote a thesis on Marxism and, 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 and the, she hates capitalism. I, mean, <laughs> I just want to be in treachery. The, the Lenin scholarship. Yeah, right. She, she won the Lenin scholarship to attend Moscow University and wrote a thesis about the glory of Karl Marx, which she refuses to release and which Moscow University shredded. Yeah. Which is, uh, and then she wanted to be comptroller of the treasury. Of the Amazing, and she and she previously had suggested. This is on the record. She had suggested she wants to get rid of private checking accounts. <laughs> All the money should be publicly held by the Fed, <laughs> oh and transfer dollars to Copex. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, I, this is also the power of the program. I think we've successfully branded this woman. The minions are incredible at staying focused on this. This woman, I think, a month ago was going to be set to be confirmed with a 51 vote, you know, margin in the Senate because of your efforts she's going down. Let's hear one more count Chocula just don't, so don't we can... Good riddance, Saul. We'll we'll see you later. Um, continuing the victory lap, fellas. Uh-huh. Matt Dowd. Yes. Matt Dowd, you beautiful creature. It's hilarious. Didn't he announce like what Three, four days ago? Feels like it's been so, a week. So it was 69 days ago. Nice. Oh. Nice. Uh, nice. And 69 days later, Matt Dowd has withdrawn his uh, campaign. Damn. Oh, even, no. Even, even Kamala's presidential lasted longer, and she dropped before Iowa. <laughs> so we were all, we all greeted his campaign with mixed feelings because we felt like, you know, although he is a champion, a champion. king of the hill, like yeah. a reigning, dominating force, he was going to be providing great content through us through throughout. I mean, for him to run for lieutenant governor of Texas, and then you've got Beto running for governor of Texas, like what a ticket! Like amazing, absolute clownery. Oh, it's just it the would best. have been beautiful. Do it you guys know? Nice. Did did Schwarzenegger ever offer us an endorsement? Oh wow, wow, <laughs> that is a that is off the top rope. Oh right my god! So, but we have to provide some context for this because this guy is just a genuinely special human being this guy's got stuff going on and at a level of brain worms that jen rubin could only hope and so he sent out a statement i gotta read this damn thing because it is genuinely astonishing astonishing yes matt dowd's statement on ending his campaign in september of 2018 i wrote an opinion column for abc news entitled (laughs) quote us male, white male Christians need to step back and give others room to lead. In it, I wrote, Instead of waiting for the diverse population of America to keep pushing and prodding, I would humbly suggest that we as white male Christians take it upon ourselves. How do you write this garbage? To step back and give more people who don't look like us access to the levers of power. <laughs> it's just incredible. I mean, like, what the hell? This asshole. I mean, for starters, this is a guy who has occupied a place at the upper echelons of politics and media his entire career. Yeah. Right? So if it's just about what you look like, why don't you just go sit in your home for the rest of your life? Right. right? That's the thing. It is for the most absurd reason he's dropping, he should have had a good reason. I was hoping there'd be some, like, dirt or anything, but no, actually, he's like, 
I'm just a loser and I want to say some woke garbage and bounce. Well, um, apparently they had some, I don't know if it was an African-American candidate, Hispanic candidate. I haven't followed the lieutenant governor's race all that closely. And on the Dem side in Texas with Beto at the top of the ticket. Right, right. Beto at the top of the ticket. There's not a lot of diversity, but evidently somebody has gotten in who represents some diversity. So out goes Matt Dow. But I'm not done with this guy yet. Okay. Okay. The column continues. We as white male Christians should do what real leadership demands and practice a level of humility, which demonstrates strength by stepping back from the center of the room and begin to give up our seats at the table. We should make this move not because we feel threatened, but because we know it is morally right and it would help America in this troubling time. The best leaders and change makers make themselves dispensable. And that is what me and my fellow white male Christians must do more often. That is so weird. That is so weird. But so cool. It's so weird to think it and then even weirder to think that you should put it out there publicly. Dude, it's like like the Detroit Lions putting out a press release talking about how they're declining to go to the playoffs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no. God, that's me. Yeah. Oh, it's so true. It's, it's, like, it's no. like after after much reflection, I've decided the playoffs are not something we can accept as a team that's only won one game. Oh. Uh, it would be inappropriate for us as a team led by a quarterback who is a white cisgendered male uh, to accept that Honestly, sort of responsibility. Out, shout out to the Detroit Lions. Did you see uh, Jared Goff's girlfriend? Yeah, on Twitter celebrating. I hope they win every game. I can't going believe forward. I can't believe you brought this up in front of me, you bastard. Because <laughs> <laughs> they beat the Vikings. It's lucky that it's, anything it's, in my house brutal. remains I, honestly, after that. It's worth it. I'd give up a Broncos, you know, win for that. Uh, okay. Well, I have one more line that I've got to hit with Do this it. guy. So, so he has four more paragraphs. I'll just say I'm not going to read it all. He has four more paragraphs in which he says the word "I" 17 times in his his humility. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the one that I want to highlight. I have always strived to be a person of integrity by living really? the Hold values. Up. Really? Arnold Schwarzenegger, can you talk about what a person of integrity <laughs> Matthew Dowd is? This guy has the balls. Balls. The balls, as if no one in this line of work knows who he is. Right. I mean, I'll be honest. I worked with this guy all the way back in 2005, and he was trying to pick up every staff assistant in the joint. He was in like his late 30s. He was trying to pick up girls that just got out of college. Get him. I don't know if he was married or not, but I do know that the people he ultimately had affairs with were married. He he landed landed Maria Shriver. (laughs) Yeah. When she was married to Arnold. And he was was running Arnold's campaign. We're going to have to run this episode back through legal. (laughs) What I'd I'd like to see is the Austrian oak have his way with Matt Dow. (laughs) I'm just saying, you can't say I have always strived to be a person of integrity by living the values I espouse. Yeah, bullshit. When everyone who knows you knows that is absolute nonsense. I get get that, Holmes. My favorite thing in this is him trying to take credit for dropping out like that somehow a victory of his values like let's be honest the guy looked at a poll the guy looked at a poll he had to look at a poll do i really want to do this dude could he actually win a democratic primary no no fucking way oh and he's gonna sit there now and claim victory and defeat which is just incredible it's genuinely incredible the only good news about all of this is that we have him back Mm -hmm. he's back for king of the hill 
We're going to give him a week to warm up. You know it's coming hot. It's coming. You know it's coming Oh, hot. he has to. He has to. Uh, I love it. So, um, look, we talked a little bit of Hillary at the top, and I know we talked about what these master classes might look like. But, guys, um, do you think that there are some sort of suggestions that we could we could make? To- I mean, I, I said early on, you know, I, how many classes is she, like, required? Like, eight, nine? That's a good question. So we should ask our so- member, our resident member, Michael Duncan. Well, I don't have all the details yet. Okay. Uh, just, uh, you know, I, I, I was a member as of an hour ago. Um, but I'm very much looking forward to all the value that Hillary Clinton is going to provide my life. <laughs> I already started writing down some ideas. Please. Is it, it might be too spicy. I was like, maybe too spicy. No, really. no, not I don't think spicy. so. I don't think so. You should just like tick through the syllabus if you were running it. Okay. So number one, I mean, it, it was discussed. That meme took off. Uh, who, who made that one? Was it? I can't remember who it was. Uh, Class one, if I did it. It has to be that. <laughs> and we like can discuss. An O.J. Simpson? But, but the best part is it's sort of like it's open question. Are we talking about Vince Foster? Are we talking about Epstein? What are we talking about? Because clearly she's she, she knows what she's doing when it comes to like legally. <laughs> right, right. Right. Like for someone to, in theory, do the things she's done and not face the consequences legally, she must know what she's doing. So like, you know, many people are saying... Vince Foster had the gun in his left hand when he was right-handed. Right. You know, you Google that, a lot of people have been talking about that. Well, Pablo looks an awful lot like Chelsea Clinton. Oh, Jesus. I love what Ashbrook... Ashbrook is low-key our biggest liability. You know what? I I, I, I mean, like, look, this isn't a legal liability. All you got to do is go to Google Images, and I think he's right. I'm going to say Chapter 2... That's what it's going to be. Is like, why, well, why do they look so similar? Web, web bubble. Oh, my God. I can't <laughs> believe you've introduced. For those of you who've never heard this, just Google it. And, and you'll web see. Web bubble. It's kind of funny. We're not, uh, for the record, accusing anyone of anything. We're just noting what's on the internet. Many people are saying. <laughs> and then uh, chapter three, which I, I suggested when we discussed uh, exterminating snakes from your home. Like a gentleman <laughs> who burned his house down to get rid of the snakes. Uh, we discussed it on the previous episode, but I think the true expert on this, Hillary, Chapter 3, making it look like an accident. <laughs> oh my God, that is just so red hot. I think if she had it to do over again, um, one of Epstein's planes would have crashed into the ocean. Right? <laughs> but here's the thing is, I think she wants to, in theory, many people are saying if she had killed Epstein, I think it would also be to send a message of, I'm still relevant. We all know I killed him. <laughs> Don't mess with me. I'm Hillary. Parody, 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 parody. Yeah, parody. Satire. Satire. Satire, laughing. And, uh, at, you know, saying a satirical statement, Hillary would be like, I, I, I want you to recognize I'm Hillary. I'm still here. You're, you're, I still put the bodies up. You're, you're saying that there's breadcrumbs she would leave out. To demonstrate power. Exactly. Like, yeah. she's smart card. enough to, like, calling you know, yeah. exactly. Like, every, like yeah. you know, many people were saying Hillary was involved, <laughs> and she likes it because that's how you know. Don't mess with her. That's a great class. You know? I'll like, run. I have a life insurance policy, folks. If it gets cash, we'll know it's Hillary. <laughs> As a joke, satire. <laughs> satire, we're laughing. Uh, I'll, I'll run the, through the road. The funniest from. thing, we've been doing this, this podcast for a year. 
we're gonna need like a dead man switch. <laughs> like, we're gonna need we're we're gonna need to have a safety uh, or a safe deposit no, box. No, no pun intended. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. no pun intended. But yeah. but honestly, here's the saddest part. I figured if we had one, it would be manned by the guy over there who's dropping the absolute right. bombs. Right. I don't think we could trust Ashbrook for a second. Are you familiar? Are you familiar with Rose Law Firm? No, stop. Are you familiar no, with stop. Whitewater? Stop! 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 stop. <laughs> Class four, yeah. and this is, I think, a very important one. And I think it's, you know, this is less jokey and more what people need to recognize. Class four would be creating compromise. Oh, there's nobody more astute on that. Our country, and this is horrific, what she did is we discussed how she refused to concede uh, election night when it became clear that President Trump had won. Beyond that, the way that she accepted that loss of, you know, in that book, Shattered, they discussed how her and Neera Tandon had a discussion. They're like, how did this happen? Let's say Russia is responsible. The way that they, for four years, put this country through the ringer, accusing a sitting president yep. of being elected by Russia. Yeah, I mean, there's What no does that do for confidence I, in elections I, and, and voter can integrity? I ask, can I ask you, how did they execute that? I mean, who was the, the sort of the inside I mean, man these, no, we all know. who executed those things? Um, I mean, so one of them was uh, Jake Sullivan, who worked for Hillary Clinton Absolute in that campaign and now works for Joe Biden and is helping lead America's foreign policy. And his job was to shovel this shit around to lunatics in the mainstream media to pretend that Donald Trump was a, a asset of Russia. No. Now he's in charge of our foreign policy. Is, isn't there another? Isn't there a taller guy who was who was there that they well, there, used? Yeah, there was this guy named James Comey, who was uh, the director yeah, of the FBI, right. who um, tried to entrap the president of the United States, the president elect, in a meeting, saying, "Hey, man, congratu congratulations! You you you're the next president of the United States. Hey, did you pee on some Russian prostitutes? <laughs> Maybe a guest speaker." I mean, it's her, incredible. Like, classes. think about it. They pushed all this garbage on the country to divide our nation and to make people believe, oh, my goodness. Nobody we, thinks that's a— This a, election can't be trusted. Uh, we had, what is it, five bucks in Facebook ads spent by some Russian bots. Clearly, Putin, you know, installed his KGB agent. It's absurd. It's unbelievable. Hillary should have to answer questions. Like, whenever she does these, like, fluff interviews of, like, hey, I got a master class, someone should be like, why'd you push this Russia garbage? It's amazing we saw nobody's that the Steele do Nobody dossier will. is trash. Nobody will. No one's asking about how the Steele dossier is getting everybody, like, in trouble. That they because created. Because it was garbage. Dude, the pushed. people involved with it have gotten promotions. I want a subpoena of Hillary Clinton to know what she knew. Yeah. That's what I would want. That's right. And and, and the last But we might find out on the, on the master class. I, I'd hope so. And the last oh, that's chapter, what I'm. That's, that's what I'm paying for. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Can you imagine if, if we actually get to the bottom of this on Masterclass? If, there, if there's, if there's, if there's a live it's a curveball, if there's a live chat feature in the Masterclass, oh, I'm, I'm going to be using. I would it. hope I'm going to be using it liberally. Let me just say, let me just assure the listeners when this happens, if it, it, there will be video feed, like you'll be able oh, to yes. see what we're, God, what we're doing. They need here. to do this, Masterclass. Yeah. Please have a live chat. What and, else do we have for and, other? Well, the last chapter, and I think an important one, and one that I think everyone in the media should just dirge up anytime Hillary is mentioned. Folks, she's the originator of Obama was born in Kenya. So she would have That's a class forgot about of, of how to ask for the birth certificate. <laughs> you know? Because it's a delicate topic. You have she, to get your aides to back channel that, you know. 
She has to cry. She was, I think, uh, was it Iowa or was it New Hampshire? Or It was, it was somewhere Iowa. cold. It was right away. When she started Iowa. crying, remember? When she was crying. It was after New Hampshire. And it was were, after New Hampshire. So when she guys, came back in New Hampshire. Obama was the greatest salesman Democrats have had since Bill Clinton. Hillary could not stand that. Yeah. And she had to spread everything. I mean, think could. of her mindset. This is satire. So many bodies. <laughs> so so many, so many horrific deeds. <laughs> And for this guy to roll up and take it from you? Of course you're going to be like, let's cook up something crazy. And your folks are like, hey, we'll back channel that Obama's yeah, how about the Kenya. birth certificate? Yeah. The thing that's so interesting about that is time is a flat circle. And that Joe Biden, who's now currently the president of the United States, said about Barack Obama that he was the first mainstream African-American who is articulate and bright and clean what and a nice-looking guy. What a dirtbag statement. That's what he say. said about Barack what Obama. A and his reward for that was being his vice president. Uh. It's become a tradition on their yeah, side. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> if you think about it, they have no success at all unless they, they hire the person they called him a racist. Right. No, that's, that's exactly. Just be racist or call people racist <laughs> and you can be on the ticket. Oh, it's you need the racism heaven. on the ticket. That's the Dems' number one agenda. <laughs> even, even the podcast full of white guys taking credit for the first black president of the United States. Oh, Podsafe. Podsafe. Congratulations, Podsafe. Pabro. One, one more, I, one I more just, class. The last class that I think we ought to look into, just in terms of if we're on the... on the uh, oh, We're on the platform. Group, on the group chat. and talk, like, I, What about like cleaning a server? Yeah. Well, you mean like uh, with the cloth? Wiping it with, you the, mean cloth? Like with the cloth? Yeah, with the cloth. I, I, I feel like everybody Can who Can you has, believe our media? Everybody letting who has elect- them get away with shit like this. Anybody who has electronic communications whatsoever, if you're interested in nobody ever seeing that ever again, who better to speak to? Right. Honestly, I would love that master class. Of who like, better to you speak know, to? Here's how you do it. You make sure that like no one can hack your phones. You've got to <laughs> run an email server. And when people cross you, here's how you make it look like an accident. That's that time. Brilliant. Joe Biden is going to suggest that Hunter log into that. <laughs> Seriously, like how much value would Hunter Biden get from that Hillary Clinton masterclass if she were real? They have a lot less if she problems. was honest about her talents, no one I think could benefit more. <laughs> All right. So that's the masterclass we've covered, I think, pretty thoroughly. Uh there are some interesting things. First of all, California is just a burning dump of all time. It just always is. But I, this one caught my eye. The LA Times reporting that you may have to pay an extra fee at Pizza Hut simply for living in California. I love it. Right? So let me just read a couple of things. A reader named Dave shared with me a screenshot of his recent transaction with Pizza Hut restaurant in Venice. Attached to his eight ninety nine order for pasta and breadsticks was a 76% or 76 cent, I should say, service charge. Clicking for more info, Dave was informed that the service fee partially offsets the increased cost of operations in the state of California. Boom. And and that's separate. It's important to note, that's separate than Pizza Hut's delivery charge, state and local taxes. This is like a... uh, Just doing business. Straight up doing business in California charge. Yeah, because they have franchises, right? So they set prices for franchises, and they just sort of extrapolate out that through the country but in california it didn't wasn't enough it didn't co- cover the cost of of doing business and so it's an explicit fee passing along the restaurant's cost of doing business in california to california customers honestly if i were dave and i were truly upset about this i would donate to nancy pelosi and be like we should consider pizza part of salt like, oh, if i have yeah. to pay you know because here's the thing is the only thing that dems care about in this like Bullshit, build back, better, garbage bill. The majority of it is spent on giving a kickback, like just a, a cash handout 
to their billionaires and millionaires on the coasts who donate to them of like, hey, here's your you know state and local taxes. So, Dave, my advice to you is try to find a way to get pizza included in salt so you don't have That's to That's a brilliant. That That's is the way yeah. to do it. Brilliant. And, and I'm going to have a counterintuitive take. Don't get mad at Pizza Hut. Okay. Right? Yeah. yeah. We should actually support Pizza Hut. Yes. And the reason that we should support Pizza Hut is because we should 100% support companies that charge libs more for electing morons to state and local offices. It's like, let's be honest. I mean, Pizza Hut, congratulations. They are being a very honest company and being like, listen, when we have to deal with, like, the taxes and the garbage and, like, hell, who knows? Somebody could probably run up in a Pizza Hut in California and just, like, rob all the pizzas. That's (laughs) been going down lately. My my wife is a loyal um, consumer of Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a lot of reward points. Well, you've covered this extensively. I don't yes, anymore. But, I think <clears throat> but what she left. what she also is is a loyal member of the Hut Lovers Club. Oh, she's a Hut lover too. She's a Hut lover. Yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, Pizza Hut is good pizza. I mean, I've, I've, I've you really are I've salty. Had place in New York. Thing, yeah. You know, I love a like a, a Neapolitan pizza. I love the coal fired. You know, the, the in the oven pizzas. That's great. But like, if you want your little like you know. Uh, uh, what, what, what's the word for it? It's like, I mean, it's bad for you. It's like a little treat. Pizza beats pretty fucking good. And they yeah. do weird stuff. They do some weird stuff sometimes. Like stuffed crust is great. Yeah. Who can argue? They kind of invented that. Maybe man. some uh, pretzel crust. Just do some weird shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, I mean, Pizza Hut. Let's and, and, and congratulations <laughs> to them. Just like surcharge any blue state. That would rule. <laughs> that is good. Yeah. Uh, all right. So you guys may have seen all of these headlines about the White House working behind the scenes with the media to get positive coverage. Have you seen this stuff? Wow. No, I so, mean, I'm not surprised. So what happens, and let me just get lift the hood. Um, when you are, as I was for years in government, and you're getting absolutely crucified with something, occasionally you try to reset the dial, right? So what you do is like bring a bunch of reporters or somebody in to have these conversations off the record about why you feel like the coverage of, of what you're doing is unfair, try to provide some coverage or some context to what you're doing, mm-hmm. right? Which, you know, sometimes it works when you feel like you've just kind of fallen, slipped off of a, a cliff and there's groupthink and reporters and whatever, and everybody's just trying to get the facts back out. Right. These guys have absolutely no facts that support their position whatsoever. That's yeah. their problem. <laughs> right. They're like, well, shit, everything is bad. So they've dragged all these people in because they're not happy with the unflattering headlines coverage about supply chain disasters, handling of the economy, all the inflation nonsense. I mean, literally everything that we've seen out of this administration for the entire year. I mean, can you imagine how hilarious that must be? It's like, hey, listen, guys, we know everything is more expensive. We tried to gaslight you and be like, on the 4th of July, hey, you're actually saving money. (laughs) Here we are. And it's become an accepted fact by all Americans that everything is more expensive. Gas prices are up. Grocery prices are up. You can't order anything because there's a supply chain disaster in America. In America. This is happening in America. So what they've done is bring in the National Economic Council Deputy Directors David Kamen, Bharat uh, Ramaturi, and John Porcari. He's a ports envoy. I don't even know what the hell that is. But either way. These guys are. He's doing a shit job. I know that. Yeah. Well, the, apparently these guys have the. It's like season task. two of The Wire. <laughs> my my understanding is probably like season two of The Wire. He's the ports envoy. Ports like that. Was it Sabatka? Yeah. Guy at the ports guys, getting John. Can I just can I just use this as an opportunity to praise the New York Post because once again. 
this is the organization who's providing color behind what we're seeing. Yeah. Because what they're reporting, what, what Josh was just describing, what the fellows were just joking about, and everybody on, at home is laughing about, Democrats calling reporters to get a better story, is the background behind what led up to Dana Milbank's column saying that Democrats have a hard time with the mainstream media. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> it's the just thing. incredible. And that's the thing, is, and I say this so many times, but I truly believe the only way to gauge the worth of any Dem operative is a primary. Because, like, how tough must it be to be a Dem operative? 100%. You just, you just, you just send an email to a journo, and they re- your press release becomes a, a news story. Yeah, like, once you're in office, all you do is cry all day about how, you know, they didn't reprint your press release. Yeah. That's it. It's very funny, but it's also very significant. Because what Dana Milbank wrote in his opinion piece that everybody's sharing on Twitter is that, quote, the media treats Biden as badly or worse than (laughs) Trump. And here's proof. It's just insane. The most absurd take you've ever heard or read in your entire life. You're like, how in the world does does somebody even come up with this insane idea? And it's because the Biden administration said, oh, we've really got a problem with bad press because nobody's getting any packages from the supply chain. (laughs) Right. Everybody, everything costs more because of inflation. We need to find somebody who's going to write what we want them to write. Oh, let's call Dana Milbank. Right, we're having a national, yeah, Jen, and that's a step up because Jen Rubin apparently they've all said is not credible. I right, mean, and, and that's the thing is like the fact that this administration thinks the problem, folks, is the coverage. Is, the coverage is, the is unfair. Coverage. Not the reality. Headlines suck. Yeah. Yes, the headlines are true. Gas is more expensive. Groceries are more expensive. Our unemployment numbers miss estimates every time. We don't create as many jobs as we're expected. <clears throat> but it's the journos' fault. Well, so my favorite thing in all of this, and if you look at the data, and, and, and Milbank's piece, which of course is psychotic, if you look at his piece, <laughs> um, he has fiscal note, uh, aggregate sentiment analysis data of the media in there reporting on Donald yeah, you Trump. you talked about this on Tuesday. It was yeah. it the Afghanistan thing? Right. And it's just, if you actually look at all of that and you say, this coverage is unfair to Joe Biden, that's just patently absurd. It's absurd. It's just patently absurd. A free tip to folks, if you see anything trying to, like, quantify the qualitative information of sentiment data, run away. Right. But let me just pose this question to you guys. Take your, your most creative hat, try to put it on, and figure out what is a positive story that you could write about the Biden administration. Me? No, I'm just at a Senior loss. Senior citizen does his best. Yeah. <laughs> I would say <laughs> Joe Joe Biden eats all of his pudding. <laughs> this is this is satire. This is a joke. But I think you know Alzheimer's awareness. <laughs> oh, it's tough. It's tough because the thing is, is you're faced with these decisions with someone you love, and it's like you know what? I gotta do the right thing. And it's a story of overcoming obstacles. There you go. <laughs> Oh, I did. I maybe I may not have proposed that question if I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, there's polls everywhere, and it, it, this is why they're upset, right? It's the coverage, but it's also because they're just falling like crazy. And we've covered extensively how Republicans have this significant sort of historic generic ballot lead and all these things. Can but I wh- say though that I love this poll so much? It, it, so, yeah. so much. So the the Wall Street Journal poll said that Hispanic voters 
are split between supporting Republicans and Democrats on the generic ballot. And that is a significant shift towards the GOP. Republicans have made rapid gains among this crucial voting demographic that have long favored Democrats, just to give you an idea, mm-hmm. right? Hispanic voters were evenly divided in the hypothetical matchup in a 2024 election between presidential contenders with 44% saying that they would back Biden, 43 we're talking Hispanics here, mm-hmm. 43% supporting Donald Trump. In 2020, Biden won 63 to 30. That's movement. Yikes. Yikes. Maybe, just maybe, that immigration policy was not unpopular amongst I, I, Hispanics. Yeah, I just don't Oh, think, no. I don't think enough Hispanic voters have read the Milbank column. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, imagine if you're putting up with years of being called Latinx right. by yeah. these people, and then they, like, crash the economy, everything's more expensive, this is your option, and it's also Hell just no, you it's, got all, an option. it's also just pandering. It's like the fact that you're Hispanic doesn't change the fact that you care about the kitchen table issues that every American cares about. Yeah, right, right. And so, like, if you're a Democrat and you're talking about Latinx and all this bullshit, you know, you're putting these people in boxes. It's it. I mean, it's condescending. Well, it's offensive when you're trying to make a living, right? And, and you're trying to raise kids and you're trying to keep crime out of your neighborhoods, right? And all the things that people care about. I don't know why they any think, person. Cares I don't know about. why they think that people care about different <clears throat> things based upon what they look. The like. color of their skin. They it's need insane. to divide and conquer. Honestly, right. that's that's the way the Dems can because they have nothing positive to run on. They have failed Americans in terms of driving this economy into the ground. They haven't followed through on any of their promises. Like Joe Biden's like, I'm going to stop uh, uh, the virus. I'm not going to stop the economy. It's been the exact opposite. So they just have to divide and conquer. Yeah. I mean, I, I just wonder whether or not the White House press office, which has incredible acumen, as we, as we now know, uh, decided that the solution to this particular poll was to translate Dana Milbank into Spanish and send that out. And also, my interpretation, folks may remember one of the uh, closing ads from the Trump campaign in 2020 was uh, that Yo Voy Votar. Yeah. Poor Donald Trump. Remember I that? I love that. that was, we that played song it on the program. Was a banger. Aye, yeah, we aye, 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 it was so hot. It was so hot. I it's love that song. Most lit song ever. It was great. It was great. But anyway, there are so, so many polls that are out. They all show disaster for Democrats. But there's one that I wanted to, to highlight that showed up in Axios. I know this guy. I know this caught your attention, guys. It's a poll on college students. And it had a whole bunch of questions dealing with yeah. college kids and, and how they conduct their lives based upon their political affiliations. Right? What this found, basically, is that young progressive liberals are the single most bigoted, intolerant group <laughs> in the history of our republic. <laughs> I mean... I'm not surprised, but yeah, it's sad. So college students would not, and you fill in the blank, with someone who voted for an opposing presidential candidate. And here are the issues. Go on a date. 71% of Democrats in college would not go on a date with a Republican. <sighs> go on a date. Go on a date. Thirty-one Only 31 Republican uh, percent of Republicans said the same. Uh, only or 41% would not shop or support a business that was owned by a Republican. These Dems. That's only 7% on the other side. 37% would not be friends. Not be friends. With the Republican. 
not be friends. They would not be friends with this person. Psychotic. Only 5% of Republicans said the same. 5%. Work for. Work for. And I think this is critical when you think about the, the state of our corporate yeah. world. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 30% of, of college-aged Democrats said they would not work for somebody who was a Republican. Yeah. Well, not they're not going to have the chance with well, that art history degree. Well, I was just going to say, <laughs> here's the bad news. Yeah, yeah, here's the bad news. You're not going to be working for a damn thing, right? Yeah, right? If yeah. You, unless you want to just have one of those make work 501c4 Soros funded operations that shifts paper around to all of the Ivy League fail sons yep. who've absolutely accomplished nothing Let's in their life. Go off, King. Right? Go off. Get them. Get them. And if that's what you want. Because that's probably all you got coming. Right. Right? Yeah. I wouldn't hire one of these people if they were the last person I met. <laughs> can, can, can I try to have my contrarian opinion here? Oh, yeah. No, okay. I like it. I, like I, it. I agree with one of them. Well, I don't know if I agree with it, but, you know, go out on a date with, but it, I, I'm thinking more of like a relationship. Like long term. Yeah. Have, have you ever if, dated if, a live before? Long term, you might I, change your mind. I mean, that. I've dated plenty of lives, but like a long term relationship thing, I think you got to have a conservative. I'd be the same way. I'd be don't like, you think no. Don't you think you'd change her? <laughs> I don't buy that, dude. You I can't feel change like, <laughs> I feel like if you put, They can't change you, you can't change them. I feel like if you put a lib of any stripe with smug 24 hours a day for like six months, that person's coming out a changed I person. Know. I think they want to be changed. That's why they're dating you in the first place. Oh, it's the power you know? play. It's the power play. It's the power play. That's oh. a perfectly Duncan deal. All right, guys. Did you see that Fox News' Christmas tree got set on fire? Yeah. yeah, of course. It's awful. I mean, I was actually pretty blown away by this because anybody who's been to the Fox Studios in New York, they know outside of this office building they have just an absolutely beautiful christmas setup this monstrous tree yeah that tree is m- massive massive with red white and blue lights it's like a 40 foot tall tree this is like the real deal this, this is from the forest yeah yeah and it, it, it's just i mean it's a beautiful setting anyway some arsonist showed up set this damn thing on fire of all the things to set on fire, man. Yeah, wait, wait. You don't think the tree did it to itself? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hillary Masterclass. Yeah. No, yeah, right. Hillary Masterclass did not get a subscriber in Craig Damanaha. I don't know how to say his name, but he's been charged with setting a Norway spruce on fire and can't be held on bail for the uh, alleged crime. You, you know, here's my take, and, and, and this upset me so much. Not as much because of the loss of the tree, but because of, of, of the way it was reported. So we have the New York Times. They said tree catches fire. That was it. Oh, wow. That's like car. You know, that's it's, like the it's car, like the car and, that went through and, Wisconsin. And that's yeah. exactly what, what grinds my gears is, is that we had a domestic terrorist in Waukesha with a history of racism run over people. It's gone from the media. It was reported in the media as SUV runs over people. Well, shit, we got to be careful about these SUVs just killing people. And in the same way, tree lights itself on fire. Unbelievable. That's how the media reports it. Unbelievable. I, I just, I can't, I can't. It says right here, it says former prosecutor turned criminal defense lawyer, Mark <laughs> Betterow, said 
uh, the, the, the arsonist will likely be free by late Thursday since his crimes do not qualify for bail. Quote, you can't give the Christmas tree an order of protection, so security will have to stand guard. Like, it's just can so, you believe that? Like, it's just so I wild. Mean, like, what I just could love, have happened? I just love how we started. We were going to, you know, we're going to remove the Robert E. Lee uh, monuments. And we're never gonna touch and, the founding and like fathers. Denver, like we won't. We, we will won't never touch after. the founding fathers. And then they're gonna rip down Thomas Jefferson, they which did. they did in, as well. In New York City. And now it's we're gonna burn down Christmas trees. Yeah, and for, years, for years, <laughs> no consequence. Like, yeah, literally, like right. the war on Christmas isn't real. No, literally, napalming <laughs> trees. It is now. Yeah, unbelievable, uh, fellas. We need a little animal content. Yes, Always. animals. Always. Yes. So I didn't know this prior to this story, but apparently there are camel beauty contests in Saudi Arabia. Really? Why? I, I mean, I, I don't know. I imagine <laughs> the same reason we have like the Westminster Dog Show. Right? Yeah, no, that makes that sense. Makes that makes sense. sense. You know. So Saudi authorities have conducted their biggest crackdown on camel beauty contests that received Botox injections and other artificial touches. You're kidding me? No. Your Botox <laughs> over forty camels are, are they disqualified? Are they smoothing out the humps? Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's hold a good on, question. Like, where do you hit a camel with, with Botox? The Botox? I, don't know. I want to read more. They're like, listen, the, the camels got to have a very too many smooth. humps. This is what Instagram's done <laughs> to people. Instagram has just like broken people's brains where they're like, everything has to be. We got to face. We got to face tune the camel. Yeah, we're face tuning these camels. <laughs> The poor camel. So listen to the background. This is an Associated Press story, believe it or not. Wow. Saudi Arabia's popular king, um, they have this festival, which kicked off earlier this month, invites breeders of the most beautiful camels to compete for $66 million in prize. <laughs> 66, $66 million. Now I understand the Botox. Now I get it. Now I, now get, it. I get it. Okay, so There's Botox injections, <laughs> facelifts, and other cosmetic alterations make the camels more attractive. Listen, honestly, <laughs> I'm having some thoughts. I'm having some thoughts, guys. Can we get a camel? Can we get it into this competition? And can we hit it with Dude, Botox or whatever on. surgery it needs to take that 66 mil? I think you're right. Hold on. This is the criteria. Jurors decide the winner based on the shape of the camel's head, necks, necks, yeah. plural, necks, necks, yeah, humps, dress, and no, postures. No, no. <laughs> this year, authorities discovered that the breeders had stretched out the lips no. <laughs> and the noses of the camels. They used hormones to boost the, Bro, the wow. muscles and injected the camel's head and lips with Botox to make them appear bigger. Inflated body parts with rubber bands and used filters to relax their faces. Fillers, fillers, fillers. Yeah, oh, fillers. Dude, yeah fillers, this fillers. is like uh, you know how how you have all those influencers who will go to like Mexico to get that cheap surgery. They'll get like a, a, a butt, you know, whatever, it, it, yeah. a bigger butt in, in in Mexico. This is what's happening. Like uh, the camels. Instagram, the, Instagram's probably melting the brains of the camels, and 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 this is this is why it needs to be regulated. Is so camels don't feel pressured to have to go get Botox. As soon as we're done with this, I'm gonna start googling what what like these. Yeah, honestly, we gotta get like. in there. We we gotta get a. I mean, here here's the thing: as you, you think of a cost benefit analysis, there's sixty six million dollars on the line. How much Botox. can it cost to get a camel and shoot it up with Botox? I bet a thousand bucks. Yeah. Well, now it's prohibited strictly. They're drawing Is a it? hard oh. line. Hard line. Drawing a hard line. They shouldn't do that. So maybe like some skin toner from here on out. I, don't I know. would just I would just love a reality show that's like 
you know, like Nip Tuck or something like that, but exclusively, I mean, <laughs> exclusively we, for camels. We, we recently lost Junkie Horse, rest in peace. Like, Rip. maybe maybe the camels like it. Maybe they like you know looking good in their in their shots. Let let me um, just posit a question before we leave the camels. In terms of fighting them, yeah, I would not, dude. Really, I would not. So here's the thing: it's harder like, than horses. So yeah, last year I went to Egypt. It was like a once in a lifetime. Yeah, trip. we remember well. Yeah, you got coronavirus. Died, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Camels are wild. Like, you know, they're not they're not like horses in, in terms of my experience. They could be mean. Horses have been very tame. You know, you put blinders on them. A camel will do what a camel wants. Yeah, they, they can like, be very it, mean. It, like, we were out at the pyramids, and 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 uh, my sister's camel just like lays down and starts. Uh, you know, we hopped off, but her camel lays down and starts rolling around. Just like when he's like, oh, she was on it. Well, no, 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 no. She, we'd already hopped off. But her, my camel, you know, standing at the ready, normal, ready for you disciplined your camel. Atten- attentive, he knew what he was dealing. Hers with. is like rolling around in the sand, just like not caring. And the and, and and the tour guide dude is like, yeah, sometimes they just like you know hang out in the sand, taking a bath. So you wouldn't give it, it a just kick didn't. To, it didn't give it a kick in the ribs. And I was like, well, how do we get to like you know I'm ready to go? He was like, yeah, you just gotta wait it out. I was like, are oh, you gotta wait it out, bro? <laughs> And he was like, have you seen an angry camel? Well, they, like, bite people. The guy and said this? They, yeah, the guy said it. Straight up. Like, uh, the, the tour guide dude, I, I I think, has probably had experience with a well, camel the going ham. Well, he's the expert. Because you were thinking about yeah. giving it a kick. I, I mean, I would never F with an animal, man. Like, you especially a camel. Horse? I mean, here's the other thing is camels are enormous, dude. They are enormous. They are big animals. Like, as tall as you think an elephant is how tall camels are. They're, they're stunningly tall. Well, I feel like the horse might be in a... Category of its own. I would. In terms I of would. I would. I would fight a horse way before I. I'm, fight a I'm camel actually dude. surprised by that. I am too. I thought he would say he could take a camel. Yeah. Hell what I'm no. not surprised. Hell no. They have they tiny survive little in heads. The desert. They tiny get, little. They're heads. like in the worst, like most difficult climate. I know. To deal with Run down, and dehydrated. Still they rise. <laughs> what I'm not surprised by is that Smugs was tame. What did you do ahead of time to make sure that your camel? I just chilled, complied? man. I, I was, you know, the guy. You was established like, dominance. The camel knew. I was like, listen, yeah, you camel know, knew. I, I'm fine with you, camel. This is strictly transactional. You're taking me out to like, I think it was Giza, wherever the pyramid was. Camel's like, like we're it's going chill. here. I'm not gonna mess with you, camel. <laughs> Hopped off, had a great time, but like her camel was just like rolling around. The dude was like, you, you don't mess with the camel. Well, and the way he said it, like there were dudes there in uh, in Egypt who were like be be in the SUVs with us with, <laughs> with like SMGs. Oh, but, you know they got like machine guns and shit. So I take their advice. Yeah, the guy with the I SMG says, "Don't mess with the camel." Yeah. I would say, "Don't mess with yeah. the camel." That's very good advice. Yeah, don't mess with it. I feel like I learned something. I feel like I learned something. Uh, fellas, let's play a game. Okay, let's play King of the Hill. Let's go. Okay, so um. First of all, we don't have Matthew Dowd no. on this episode. Yeah, sadly. And I just got to say for our listeners, we're going to give him a week so he can produce some content. Coming back from... I feel like that's where his heart is. Well, yeah. I not read, running. I it's read his content. letter. It's, and there's, it's in posting. There's, yeah. if, if the content was there to compete, it was there during the letter. So we can't... That would be unfair. It would be unfair. So who do we have this week? Folks, I'm, I'm bringing the one... The only, the brainworm queen, Jen Rubin. Oh, let's go. All right. So uh, my defending champion is Reed Galen. Okay. Well, let's go ringside. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. 
It's time for King of the Hill in the red corner, fighting out of the Washington Post, returning for a chance to reclaim her crown, Jennifer Brainworms Rubin. And now, in the blue corner, fighting out of the Lincoln Project. A man who's doing everything Steve Schmidt asks him to do. Reed Galen! All right, all right, let me get this party started. Let me get this party started. So one thing, I hadn't been a, a consumer of Reed Galen tweets, and so now that I, he's a champion, I've had to go through and kind of get a feel for his genre. Right. Right? The hypocrisy stuff is great. Yeah. Wait, I, I want to do one thing real quick. Two okay. things, actually. Number one, I want to explain the rules for folks. We've got uh, Mr. Holmes and myself select a champion. We, we throw out three tweets. The most bonkers ones wins. <laughs> Mr. Duncan is the judge and jury. Yep. Number two, I want to express the growth I have had as a contestant on this show where you become quite formidable. right now. Jen Rubin has has these takes that are so wild that like I want to get them out. And, and typically I would just be like, I don't care. The champion, the defending champion typically has to go first with their tweet. Yes. And, you know, a less experienced me would have just fired out this Jen Rubin tweet, which I will first. Really? I'm going to wait and let him play his hand. Because wow. I, I thought you were going to forfeit the You're going to okay. play strategy. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Look at you, Smug. You're growing. Growing as a person. <laughs> so, okay, that made it. Maybe I'll just sort of adjust you a little bit. You better bring but, but a new This man. is what I was going to say uh, about, about Galen. Around. The thing that I appreciate most about him is that he overcompensates with his <laughs> vulgarity to try to make him seem more masculine, mm. right? Because now he's defending, like, pure lib craziness. Yeah. Right. So he comes over the top in this just, like, bonkers, crass language. Okay. That I think is a new yeah, genre. Yeah, like, all your boys are like, did you be a bitch? He's like, oh, no, I'm going to say something. That's <laughs> he's like, listen to really me. hard. Listen to me. Listen to me. So you can kind of see how he's just, like, postured himself in front of some of these things, right? So <clears throat> let me just start with this. This is a story about uh, Devin Nunez retiring from Congress, as he did this week. And there's a quote in there from Kevin McCarthy, who tweets out that he's a, you know, a great member, which he is. Reed Galen quote tweets it and says, How small do your balls have to be to kiss Devin Nunez's ass? Kev Bo, you'll never be speaker. <laughs> This, this is your fire? I wow. Fail, I'm so ready for this. I fail to understand how his balls being big or small, the largeness of his balls, uh, have anything to do with the commentary, which is like uh, he's, a, he's a nice guy, he's a good member of Congress. <laughs> but apparently I'm that ready. is an can important I, can, piece of Can I of fire my Jen Rubin tweet? I'm ready. Yeah. Fire it. So Jen Rubin links to an article about <laughs> Kyle Rittenhouse, and she says, he seems marginally brighter than those who deify him. Straight up. <laughs> this is an article about 
Kyle have, Rittenhouse. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. He seems marginally brighter than those who deify him. <laughs> like a he, shot at the public. Uh, uh, you know, as the conservative quote conservative writer for the Washington Post to be like, you know what? I hate the Second Amendment. The dumb rubes, yeah. basically. Dumb it's a dumb rubes take. Which and that's what they want. That's really what they want. It's sort of a uh it's a radio free Tom take. It I is like a radio it. free Tom like take. Yeah. To go after a kid. To go after the second well, amendment. Well, in fairness, to go after him saying, at the same time. She's saying he's marginally brighter. Yeah, he's marginally brighter than those who deify him. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I we mean, all know that's dripping with but like pure classism. Hot, pure hot. How small do your this is a public Twitter account? How small do your balls have to be? Yeah, yeah. dad talking about balls compared to being like hey. it's just a new genre. <clears> We're trying kid. out a new genre here. It's pure. Crass. It's interesting. Yeah, we're trying on a new genre. It is interesting. It's, um, I mean, fascinating because, I mean, Reed, Reed thinks himself a political operative yeah. who, who can predict things. To say that Kevin McCarthy is never going to be speaker. <laughs> Wait 10 months, Bell. Right. Is like, <laughs> that's a bold, like bigger than the small balls, big balls thing. Never going to be speaker. Capital letters, N-E-V-E-R. Never. Never. Never be speaker. Mm-mm. He's going to be speaker in t- 10 months. Yeah. I think we all know that. Um, Balls. Gosh. As opposed to Kyle going after a kid and a jury. The, the legal system of this country decided and there, and like I said, the, there's a radio-free Tom component to this which is the looking down on people um she contains multitudes man she does it's classism it's like i am the conservative writer for the washington post and i hate the second amendment and i hate every person and i hate right yeah that being said i i can't get over this (laughs) i can't get over the big balls small balls let's be honest (laughs) round one homes I love it. All right, Pell, what do you got on second? All right, so this is uh, Jen Rubin, December 7th, 1022 a.m. Voter suppression is called, quote, tighter voting requirements. The Republicans' descent into authoritarianism and its dalliance with violence is explained away as, quote, polarization. So imagine thinking, hey. Is this, is this apropos of nothing? What is she re- replying? So she, she has an article which is talking about the media has given Republicans a free this pass is, on assaulting democracy. Right. This is the Dana Milbank yeah, this thread. Is it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So voter suppression is called, quote, tighter voting requirements. The Republican descent into authoritarianism. Listen, like it's having cool. uh, this is so cool. trying to maintain the integrity of elections, authoritarianism. <laughs> 100% authoritarian. Like having to show an ID. Yeah. I mean, that's authoritarianism. Or like your signature has to be verified on a mail-in ballot. Like, like if that's it, like what that is, that is that is Nazi Germany. Like if Hitler could have one thing come true, it would be your ID is checked. 100%. That's um that is pretty What incredible. a take. Wow. I'm going to stay on genre. Really? I'm so, going to stay one on trick genre. pony. All right. No, okay. no, no. Listen, I got things to choose from, but I feel like this is good. I feel like it's working. So Josh Hawley tweets out an article on something that he's been advocating for, uh, which is uh, to not have women enlisted in the draft. Right? You're, so, hit, you're hitting in on something for the judge and jury right now. Yeah. So, 
So there's been an ongoing debate. <clears throat> Democrats basically thought this was a fait accompli that in this national defense authorization bill that they're dealing with, they would make every woman eligible for the draft for the first time in American history. Mm-hmm. Politicians like Josh Hawley, Chip Roy, other people have been just going to the Hill to try to stop this from happening. Well, they stopped it from happening. And Hawley tweets out the article, right? And it's a Politico article about, you know, they're not going to be able to yeah. draft women. Galen says, Politico finally got something right. Ladies like Josh Hawley should not be drafted. Wow. <laughs> that's all you got, bro? Oh, that's really what it? Do you mean? What do you mean? That's, that's really it. What do you mean that's all you got? This guy really is a This is, dude, it's this memory is representing a very liberal constituency at this time. It's hot. It's very right. What I do like about some of these never Trump people who are now on the left is that they're some of the biggest purveyors of like weird, sexist, misogynist, homophobic stuff. Yeah. And the same it's liberal like left. It's almost like had to fight these assholes <clears throat> in the Civil War so they'd give up their slaves. <laughs> but the same liberal left that would hate this if it came from Ted Cruz or anybody else. Oh, yeah. RTs that shit so quick. Yeah. You know, because they don't actually believe in anything. No. There's no principle they actually stand for. Like, yeah, right. Like, you know, I mean, these people are actual homophobes. They are. And what's so amazing to me is that you can say ladies like Josh Hall should not be drafted. Yeah, ladies. Oh, my God. Yeah. Is that- it's like 1950s stuff. <laughs> you know, and I got to say, and, you know, I don't. Maybe the opinions of my co-hosts here in the Variety program will be different, but I think a culture that drafts its women into its armed services either should be fighting less wars or doesn't have a culture worth defending in the first place. Oh, uh, there you go, pal. There you go. You know what I like is uh, I am 100% against including women in the draft, and the NDAA that passed the other night had it stripped. Very happy about Our it. Our mothers and daughters. We're going to put them in wars. Yeah, it's nuts. And that's going to be a good thing for equity and equality. It's horrific. I mean, that that is the perverse thing about liberal worldview. It is. In my opinion. Oh, I agree. there's so many. And people yes, can have other opinions, but that is my opinion. That being said, I do not think that statement can overcome what Smug provided. Okay. And I think he wins round two. Okay. Let's go. Okay. All right. That's. I like it because we got to fight it out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here I've got I've I've saved my best for last. Yeah, I can get you two words, but go ahead. I, I feel like wow, I, really? That's yeah, confidence. It's confidence. Confidence is right, but but we'll see. So, in the course of one week, uh, to give you some background, Bradley Whitford, uh, a troll of mine. This is the guy from West Wing. Oh, Josh Lyman. Yeah, yeah. Bradley Whitford is the is the actor that plays Josh Lyman and. West Wing. Right? That's exactly right. Right. And so he tweets this tweet that says, for the GOP, children slaughtered in their classroom is the cost of freedom while wearing a mask in the middle of a deadly pandemic is too high of a price to pay. Sanctity of life, my ass. They're a death cult. And Reed re- just retweets that and, and says, yes. Right. That's not my tweet. <laughs> It's great. My tweet, Listen, Ashbrook, my tweet a- is... Ashbrook has, tw- has tried so many times with the, like, ambicus brief last week. He's trying to, like... Oh, you think he's trying to rig the game? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. I got it with two words, dude. Okay, okay. Hold, hold on, In though. In the course of a week... Yeah. This is four days later. 
Reed Galen writes, To my Democratic friends, if you learned anything from the Virginia governor's race, it's that we must keep kids in school. <laughs> Work with your allies oh, and man, the unions. It's not fair to parents to have to trade working dollars for child care when schools close without notice. <laughs> So in one hand, he's talking about slaughtering children, right? In it by virtue of being in the classroom, right? Right, because they don't want to abide by mask mandates. Uh huh. On the other, it's an advice to make sure all the kids are in school. Wow, <laughs> it's almost like those two things are dissonant. It's so weird. It's but I didn't have to go. Like I was like, I'm gonna be fine. Let me find something where he's like advocating for kids to be out of school. And then I was like, oh, no, it's like two days late, two days early. <laughs> Smug, you're, you're promising me something that's going to blow that away. And it does. Okay. So we have previously discussed Matthew Dowd's screenshot tweet about why he's dropping out because, like, he's a white male and just feels guilty. The press release. Mad, yeah. Right. Jen Rubin replies... <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> Exclamation point! <laughs> She's like, I had been hoping for Governor Matthew Dowd. The people cried out for Governor Matthew Dowd, and she feels just like it hurts her. Oh no! <laughs> Imagine her mindset. What I love about it is it's like a totally genuine reaction. Which is what makes it so beautiful. Well, it's yeah. wild. It's a general reaction to something that was a complete sideshow in the first place. Yeah. You know what Total I mean? Theater to begin with. Theater to begin with. And the idea that she quotes tweet the, quote tweets this, like, we have lost a absolute leader, you know? Yeah. Like the yeah. fact, like <laughs> she's really gotten to that point. Like a lot of people think they know how, how, like how rock bottom Ruben is it. She plums the depths day after day. Approach the bench. Uh, wow. You're going to approach the wow. bench. Well, no, I, 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 hold on. Let me object. Wow. We have a previous, a previous uh, hearing. We have eliminated any sort of of counsel work outside of the contestants themselves, including amicus briefs. Approach the bench. Wow. Well, look, I'm not going to let you approach the bench. I will let you file an amicus brief and decide. Whoa. I'm going to decide it. This is the jury. This is the judge and the jury's decision. And I'm going to allow you for the content to provide an amicus brief. Your Honor, I appreciate the opportunity to speak. Uh, I was planning to file a brief on the third... <laughs> submission for Ruben but given the content I file no brief I see no need to file a brief wow wow it's unbelievable I think I think it speaks for itself. it does speak for itself it the meekest brief and the content speaks for itself and for that reason <laughs> smug wins let's go congratulations okay. sir. Queen. it's a brain worm queen that yeah. was a hell of yeah. a tweet pal you did a nice job it was with tough it. it was a it was a fight I'm Listen, glad you I, held it off because I had a chance at sweeping you there you really rolled the dice with holding that to three. He rolled the dice and in a weird perverse way you actually benefited him by covering the Dowd uh, yeah. thing earlier in yeah. the program. Yeah, yeah, it is what it is. All right, Shout let's get... out at T-Rec. Let's go. That guy's great. Let's get to this interview. First of all, um, 
you all are aware of, of Dan Crenshaw. Obviously, he's one of the most recognizable members of Congress. Uh, he got himself in a little bit of hot water over the weekend, as other people would characterize it, because of some things he said at, at a rally. He was fighting Republicans, so right? Gu- so guess what, pal? We go right at it here on the Ruthless Variety program, and we talk explicitly about it and let him sort of de- defend not only what he says, but how he said it and what he means, which is exactly what we need to do. Yeah. Let's hear it. I want to welcome to the program. Uh, probably one of the most recognizable members of Congress. Very interesting guy, former Navy SEAL, Congressman Dan Crenshaw. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, Josh. Appreciate it. Listen, man, uh, you decided to make some news last weekend, and uh, we can talk about that in a minute. But but I wanted to get into you because one of the things that I I respect the most about you um, is that you're your own man in Congress. You have basically always said what's on your mind, always been a a straight shooter, whether or not that's popular within the party or the broader electorate or not. You've kind of given us your your view unvarnished. And what I'm wondering about is how much of that is is your upbringing. And I know you lost your mother very young. I know you traveled a lot with your dad, obviously his military service and all kinds of things. Talk to us a little bit about sort of you, your growing up, how you got interested in politics. Sure. Yeah. And we can get into the, this little, the fanfare from these last couple of days, which is, uh, I would say a minor blip on the radar compared, <laughs> compared to how, you know, how, how much, how bad things can be. I think this one is a bit silly. Um, and you know, I, we, we have, uh, we have forms that people can fill out with their hurt feelings, uh, at our office and then we can go from there. Some people get very sensitive, especially when they realize that they can't control me. Um, you know, and that's, that, that's really what this is about when, when we get into this. But, um, and so I guess I would answer your question, you know, why can't I be controlled? And I think I would like to think that I have some sense of integrity, um, some, some sense of integrity about, about who you are. And what, what I often say to people, to voters, is there's, there's a lot of slogans that you often hear from candidates. Like, here's one. I'm not going to go up there and, and, just, and just go along to get along, right? <laughs> How many times have you heard that one? <laughs> that's and like yet, talking point A1A, right? But, and yet that's exactly what they do. And it's just, it's just not who you think it is, right? right? It, the establishment isn't who you think they are. And I like this. It's fascinating to me to, to, to watch people's sort of minds change as you talk about this, because they they just view the establishment as leadership, you know, strong arming everybody. And I'm like, leadership. I've never seen them strong arm anybody. You know, not a I mean, lot of I, tools to do that anymore. There's just not, um, you know, the strong arming comes from this sort of this kind of anti-establishment mob, which really is, if you're going to, I mean, I hate using words like the establishment, but if we're going to try and define it, that seems to be what it is, right? You must say the things, you must repeat the slogans, you must you must recite from this hymnal the things you need to say or else, or else we come after you and we call you names and those names will sound like neocon and rhino and establishment. <laughs> Like the people who do that, those those sort of gatekeepers of of the hymnals that they that they that they feel you must recite, that's the real establishment, and it's nonsense. And you know, and they and they play out as Instagram influencers and pundits, and and you know, and it's and it's just ridiculous. Um, and it, and it just it just feels like this clown show sometimes. Uh, and that that's what I'm fighting back against, right? Like this. This this sort of forced conformity where you have to say things a certain way. 
you have to yell the slogan, say no more endless wars, say it. <laughs> like, or else you're a neocon. And you're like, really? Like, is, is the policy that simple? Honestly, like, right. and so I just, I just refuse to play into that. I, I refuse to, to pretend like there's no nuance. I refuse to pretend like there's no complexity to what we're talking about and the difficult problems that we're actually trying to address. I just refuse to do it. It would be very easy. It would make my life much easier. It is so easy to be popular on the right. It's yeah. the easiest thing in the world. You know exactly what you have to say. People are willing to hear it. They've been conditioned to hear it. It's the easiest thing in the world. And any and and people and I want voters to just be more skeptical about the people who are telling them exactly what they want to hear every single time. That's interesting. Just be slightly skept skeptical because you're you, don't be easy to lie to. Don't be easy to lie to. And so, it, look. And in the, you asked, I know you asked me about my background, so I am kind of getting to that. Like, where do I get this ideology from, or this this demeanor? Let's say. And um, I, I would say probably from the SEAL teams, because honest, brutal mm. honesty is is a life or death attribute in the SEAL teams. Right. Um, we do not have any patience or any time for false narrative building, which is basically what politics is all about. And so I do appreciate having veterans in Congress. I didn't always say that, actually, because I was like, well, that Democrat veteran turned out to be a jerk. But, but <laughs> right, right. Now they're not all created the same. <laughs> for the most part now, I and for the most part, this is definitely not applied to all veterans in Congress, but for the most part, um, veterans want to be right. And that, that's a kind of an important attribute. They want to be right. They want to make sure that the conclusion that they've come to has been come to honestly and through some thoughtful debate and consideration and that they're actually right, or at least mm -hmm. defensible. At least you're in a defensible position. Mm -hmm. I am. I am thoroughly convinced that not a lot of members of Congress actually give a damn about that. Hmm. They, 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 again, there's being right. Because it's easier, it's easier to, to not care. It's easier. It's, it's easier to vote no on everything, first of all, right? There's, there's some people who do that. Like, okay. I'm, <laughs> right. I mean, they'd vote against the Bible because there's not enough Jesus in it. You know, I mean, they, <laughs> it's actually coming out of somebody's mouth. <laughs> so, that's pretty know, good. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 you know, that's easy. It's easy to come up here and not use any judgment whatsoever. Well, let me, since we're in the middle of it, let me just, over the weekend, you were at a Texas Liberty Alliance PAC event. Um, and basically what you said is there are two types of members of Congress is performance artists, and then there's legislators. Mm -hmm. Performance artists are the ones who get all the attention, the ones that you think are more conservative because they know how to say the slogans really well. Now, I think, I think I know what you're saying. Having spent a lot of time under the dome, I think I know what you're saying. But I, I just want to be specific. When you're talking about the performance artists, are we talking about people who, in your mind, know what they're doing is is either wrong or or inaccurate, and they just carry it out mm -hmm. for the performance? That's, yeah. yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Because obviously, I jumped out of airplanes, so <laughs> like yeah. I like to do performance. Like, so it, it's um, that's not quite what I mean. What I mean is political theater. There's a big difference between doing a cool ad and doing political theater. Well, that, yeah, way, I like, wanted to get to that because I, I, there is there is a difference, but I specifically wanted to get what you're talking about, which is not a performance in terms of, of theatrical performance. You're talking about their jobs. So, yeah. And so there's a, there's a couple of things that I'd be talking about. One is 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 sort of the false narrative building, the, the, the knowing the knowingly perpetuating falsehoods that make your colleagues look bad because you think it makes you look better. 
Okay, that's that's a form of political theater. Yeah. Another form of political theater, you know, call for a motion to adjourn so that you're fighting the Democrats. Okay, but it's, but it's it just wastes everybody's time. It doesn't actually do anything. Nobody's even watching. Doing all of these little all of these little tricks up here on the hill, you know, tweeting some kind of insult that is provocative and will get you attention, um, but not further our cause. And so, you know, one one thing. I always talk about it, and I talked about it at that event because I talk about it at every event. Is is be and I tell voters be more be more skeptical about who the fighters are, mm-hmm. and ask yourself what is this fighter trying to win? Have they won anything for you? And the answer is most likely not. At least the people who label themselves as fighters. Mm-hmm. You know, and winning in politics looks a lot like persuading people to your side. Ask yourself if somebody claims to be a fighter. You know, and they're engaging in that political theater constantly. And it's and it's fun and it like and it gets our side like happy. It makes them think, see, they're up there representing me. But are they? Mm -hmm. What have they won for you? They've Mm -hmm. definitely alienated a lot of people. That's for sure. So how are we supposed to move forward our agenda if we're not persuading anybody? So your, your, your point is the measurement ought to change, right? How we evaluate somebody as a conservative should be based on the outcomes, mm-hmm. not on basically how they make you feel. hundred percent. I mean, and, and, and the reason I'll do more, I'll do the fun kind of performance things like make an ad that's fun, but it's not provocative, is it? If you look at Texas Reloaded, this ad that goes viral, who did it provoke? Nobody. Liberals right. could watch that and still think, oh, that was, that was kind of fun. You know, that was kind of fun. There's a reason we do these things because because I do admit that we live in an age of, um, you know, let's call it a reality TV show and the American public does want some kind of entertainment. But the question is, once you've gotten their attention, what do you do with that power? Do you use it in an honest way, in a thoughtful way, in a productive way, or do you just lie to them for personal gain? Mm-hmm. And that's the difference between those who engage in complete political theater and those who do not. And, and this, it, look, this is what I said at that, at that event too, the quickest way they know that the quickest way to a conservative's heart is not necessarily to bash Democrats. Now it gets some people riled up, right? But it's kind of used to it. The quickest way to a conservative's heart is to convince them that another conservative betrayed them. Yeah. No question. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's really what gets an emotional reaction from people. And there are grifters out there who know this. Who are always look, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's a cottage people. industry, man. It's been a it cottage is. industry for it decades. Makes money. Yeah. It yeah. makes money. Um, and, uh, and I just, I want our side to be on the lookout for that a little bit more. Yeah. Be skeptical of those people. Let, let me ask you this, because I, I think, you know, one of the things that we talk about on the program is, is not taking the bait, trying to stay as much of a, a team as you possibly could. And I, and I recognize your arguments about how some people make that impossible. But I think what the press has done to try to attribute your comments is they basically have attributed it to the entire Freedom Caucus, right? Where, whereas I know, having seen you work with a lot of those folks, that's not who you're talking about, just as general everywhere. Yeah, no. Right? I mean, there's definitely some in there I don't like, obviously, but for the most part, no. I, 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 I brought up that one example about Trump voting record as just, as just an, one example among many. If you All were right. part of the Freedom Caucus and you were in that room, you wouldn't have been offended. Nobody. That was like a Tea Party group, right? I mean, you know, it, it just it wasn't offensive to them at all. I like Jim Jordan a lot. Jim Jordan is is one of these people who he he doesn't need to make a name for himself by trying mm-hmm. to utter, undercut his fellow Republican colleagues all the time. 
Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was thinking of him when I brought this question up because I know you've worked with him really well in a number of, of Freedom Caucus people. So I want, again, to try to be specific. That's not it's not who you're talking about here. No, no, it's not. Um, again, they got they got brought into that mix because of an example I used about voting records. But I was not talking. The, 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 I was what, what I was referring to mostly is, is some of the people who had messaged knowingly, knowingly falsely about H.R. 550, that whole vaccine database thing. Last oh, week. yeah. That, yeah. that was what I was actually talking about. That was the broader point I was making. Um, and so, yeah, there were certainly individuals who did that. There was media outlets that did that. When I said grifters and liars, I wasn't talking about the Freedom Caucus. Right. I was I was talking about a, a, a general group of people that exist on our side. And I didn't mm-hmm. name any names and I, and I don't find it useful to name names. But given my description, <laughs> I want I want I want people to be now. I want their brains to be tuned to listen for those kind of things. Yeah. Well, you know, look, if you take it out of Congress and you find out that, you know, people like Sidney Powell, who raised $14 million off of. Good you know, example. Right. <laughs> I mean, like yeah. you're Lynn Wood, I'll name some names. Lynn Wood, absolute right. grifter, like with Kyle Rittenhouse. Nobody believed me when I said that before until Kyle Rittenhouse also said it. Yeah, no, no, it's true. It's true. Well, listen, I, I, I'm glad you're speaking out to do what you think is right on this. And I, I agree with you that we ought to have a. a a free debate within our Republican conference, within the broader conservative movement. We should not all be conditioned to just sort of spit out the same talking points. But at the same time, we also got to move the ball down the field, which is what I think you're trying to do. Uh, Tell us about what's going on up there. Tell us about sort of your view of the Biden administration here as we enter, you know, I can't believe it's only been one year. Jesus, this is unbelievable. Uh, But as we enter year two, well, I, I'd say there's good news and there's bad news. I mean, the, the bad news is all around you um, with high inflation um, and energy industry that that can't get an ounce of funding because nobody wants to invest in an industry that they believe is under attack mm-hmm. um, and may have their taxes raised soon or and may be regulated out of existence. That's a real problem. It's a problem for our gas prices and our electricity prices. Uh, we're, we're, I don't know what the Biden doctrine is on foreign policy. I'm not sure anybody does. And, you know, at least you, you can disagree or agree with Trump's policy. You, you mostly knew what it was. It was sort of this yeah. hyper rationalist um, kind of transactional policy. And, and, and frankly, a good one. I, he, sometimes he's labeled as this like, you know, he didn't start any wars. He was an isolationist. And like are, some people on the right love that. But I'm like, that's not even who he was. <laughs> I tell that to Soleimani, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I <laughs> frankly, I thought his foreign policy it, with, with slight little disagreements here and there was really good. Yeah. Uh, if I'm being honest. And um, I don't know what Biden's is. I, I have yet to be able to describe what it is. It's probably similar to Obama's, which I've described as hope and change. Right. Because that was his slogan. So that's his foreign policy, too. It's if we if we hope hard enough, we'll get change. It's, it's also this kind of permanent deep state group think. Yeah. That, you know what I mean? Like every single one of these guys comes from deep inside the bowels of the State Department. And they've yeah. sort of formulated their view collectively together over the 30 year period. Yeah. And like it's just this is it's the same. Right. But it has no goals. It has no broader missions. It's just sort of the same. Mm -hmm. They have these truths that they live by. And a good example was John Kerry getting ridiculed because he's it was about the Palestine Israel issue, you know, saying you'll you'll never you'll never get. I think I think that the statement was something like you'll never get the Arabs to the table without Palestine at the table. And it just turned out not to be true. 
Yeah. It turned out that real politic played a much bigger role. Leverage, incentives. Th those are the words. Those are the truths you have to live by. Human yeah. nature, incentive structures, and, and leverage. Th these are things that work in the Middle East and in foreign policy. Um, if, if Trump had a doctrine, it was, it, was, it was kind of understanding that, I think. Mm -hmm. And um, anyway, the point is back to Biden. He doesn't know what the hell he's. <laughs> so, that is evident. So that's bad. Um, that that's bad. No, the good news is is we have this system that doesn't let you get anything done. Yeah. Uh, you know, the good news is all the well. Again, this is bad news and good news because bad news is they can do a lot of damage just by being in charge. The good news is they haven't passed any of their agenda really. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can look at the you know they passed the infrastructure bill. Um. It's that's bad because it spends too much money, in my opinion. But but people wrongfully think that's the Build Back Better plan. People wrongfully think that the stuff in there was all Green New Deal nonsense yeah. and human infrastructure. It's actually not true. Uh, the the content of that bill is not nearly as bad as people think. I personally just think it was three times more expensive than it needed to be. Not right. paid for. We easily could have done some good on infrastructure just by spending old COVID money and, and leaving it at that. So that's. It's it's important to get the get our facts straight when we're mad about something. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> Just in general, as a general rule in life. Um, but they're having a real hard time getting this reconciliation bill through. Uh, that's the good news. Um, and you know, the again, have some bad news that we'll get something through eventually. Yeah, it'll be damaging. It'll be inflationary. It'll be hard to 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 claw back those government programs once in. Um, if, if we take majorities, we'll have to use one of our reconciliation golden tokens to claw some of that stuff back and do what we want. So it's just, it sucks. Um, but, you know, be thankful for a republic that has some pretty harsh checks and balances yeah. on it. Yeah. That, when a, that when a party that's in the majority in the House, the Senate, and the presidency like, still can't really get a, get a, a very radical agenda through easily. Yeah. That's I mean, this is why this is these are moments why you resist the temptation to eliminate those checks and balances when you've got your hands on power because it's fleeting. And, uh, you know, at some point it, it can come back to bite you as as Democrats found out with the Supreme Court. Right. So, uh, hey, listen, I want to ask you about um, most Americans, I think, were introduced to you for the first time through Pete Davidson and Saturday Night Live. Right. You're just elected. This guy takes a shot at you. There's a big hub hub. You go back, you go on to Saturday Night Live. I mean, you, you go from relative anonymity outside of your district to like a household name overnight at the beginning of your congressional career. I mean, what's that like? I don't know. Um, I still don't know. But that's, <laughs> it's, it's, I, I guess it's surreal. Um, it was so, I mean, the day that that happened, uh, it, it, we, I had this sort of sense of annoyance. I wasn't used to dealing with um, things popping up in the media. Yeah. And it felt, it felt like an annoying thing we had to deal with because it, it was just, it was, it was like the day before the election, maybe two days before the election. And, you know, I had a bunch of events scheduled and that, that that's what I was worried about. And I, I was annoyed that I had to spend 10 minutes outside in the parking lot before going into this event and, and think about what I was going to tweet. Right. It just yeah. it just wasn't used to that. It was it was strange. I, so my point being, it was kind of lost on me how, how okay. this would this would blow up. And I don't you know, and then it, and then it blew up a little more and a little more. Um, Next thing you know, you're on set. 
Yeah. Yeah, I guess. And, um, <laughs> but, but like, like if you, you know, if you know me well, I mean, th- this is my surprised face. It's always, <laughs> yeah, I don't picking that up. <laughs> yeah. I just don't, um, I, I don't react emotionally to things. I don't like, I'm never law. I'm never like, awe inspired by something i wish i was more of those things but it, i think it's i think i think they beat the emotions out of you in the seal <laughs> like, with, with, well, with let me just say this the one thing water. that's the one thing that's awe inspiring and i know you're a very happily married man so you wouldn't talk to uh, pete davidson about this but it's <laughs> awe inspiring the fact that that guy has brainwashed as many beautiful women into loving him this, as this drives me and my wife crazy um <laughs> We're big fans of Kate Beckinsale. Right. And I right. Just don't Serendipity. Get it. I mean, what the heck's gotten into her? I don't, don't get it. I just, <laughs> Kim Kardashian now, it's weird. I, you know, he, he is this, um, and it felt like this at Saturday Night Live too. Um, let's, he, he's like a project for people. You know, like like Lauren Michaels, like he just, he's just likable to this group of people. And like they want to take care of him. Yeah, because I'm like he's not that funny either. His stand up is very mediocre, right. and, and and I'll say that now because he, he took a lot of swipes at me um, in his Netflix special like a year later. Oh yeah, he, yeah, it was a real. He jerk. didn't even let up. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, it, but it was and it wasn't even funny. Right. Again, like I think you should be. I think comedy should be extreme, but it's got to be funny. That's the only rule. Yeah. And like guys, guys like him, if they're not they're not talented enough to do that, then they, you know, then they just kind of fall on their face. They just end up doing insults and think right. laughter, but, but they, but they lack the skill set to actually make that into a good joke. I saw, I saw Pete Davidson making fun of Joe Rogan the other day about the ivermectin thing on Saturday night live. And it was, it was just another skit that just totally fell flat. I'm like, you're and I would thought to myself, you're just jealous because Joe Rogan's actually talented. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's right. But I, for whatever he's done, he must have sold his soul to, to, to obtain some kind of mind control over beautiful women. Because as far as I could tell, that's the only thing that guy's got going. He's got that like, oh, shucks, I'm a nice boy. I don't know, man. I, wish I, don't, that, know. I don't know how that works. But <laughs> anyway, listen, uh, Congressman, I got three big questions that we asked, ask everybody on the show. And it starts with, if you could plan your last meal on earth, what would it be? Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it's just got a lot of good stuff. Yeah, it's, so it's kind of cheating because it's like, well, I get to eat a lot now for my last meal. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you, and if you make me, if you make me get more specific, I, I would probably go like, um, bone in ribeye. Oh, there you go. Um, but I, and on but, your last meal, you can have the turkey and the bone in ribeye because I was like, okay. you know, you're sliding thanks, yeah, Thanksgiving's kind of you can just you know it's Thanksgiving. You can put a lot of different items in there. That's right. That's right. Okay. I mean, a lot of food, I think, is the bottom line of yeah. your, your answer. Okay. All right. So if you never got into politics, like if you just never were interested in any of this at all, what do you think you'd be doing with your life? Have you seen Kill Bill? Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, I mean, no, I mean the tr- truthfully, I never wanted to leave the SEAL teams. Um, I, I left the Navy kicking and screaming. Um mm-hmm. And my wife and I loved our life there. We would have stayed at least 20 years. And uh, that's just, that's just always, that was always my, my goal in life. I, I did not want to leave. And I didn't get into politics kind of like, I, 
I, I was looking at policy jobs, yeah, um, sort of behind the scenes for for a while after the after the SEAL teams, um, sort of searching for that next role, and, um, and then all of a sudden a seat opened up and somebody suggested I should run, and that was kind of the first time I thought about running. Next thing you know, you're a politician. Yeah, next thing you know. <laughs> well, you you do a good job hiding the politician side of of the member of Congress thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So this is the last one. I'm very interested in your answer on this. And it's about what goes to your core motivations. And we put it up in two polls. Basically, you're motivated by the thrill of victory, which is the sunny optimist charging up the hill kind of point of view, or the agony of defeat, which is the Michael Jordan, you know, sort of just like kills you to think that you could ever lose. And the feeling that you you get when you lose motivates you entirely. So the question is, what motivates you more, the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat? And you, I knew you were going to ask that, and I've been struggling with how to answer this because I'm not sure it's one or the other. Um, part of me thinks you should embrace failure, um, embrace pain and suffering because it always makes you stronger. It sucks. That's part. Of, that's part of an agony of defeat, though. You know, I mean, that's yeah. like that's if you're motivated by it, you have to have that, or else you're not motivated. Yeah, it's 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 a more realistic, I guess, place to be in. But I'm certainly motivated by the thrill of victory. Right. I mean, who wouldn't be? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I wasn't. I'm not. I'm not sure if I'm giving you a, a, a deep answer there, or if I'm being wishy washy. No, I think. I mean, look. I think. I. I think I get it. I think you've got. I mean, everybody's thrill of victory. The the question is how long you hang on to it, right? I mean. For the deepest of like Michael Jordan figures, the thrill of victory lasts lasts about an afternoon. <laughs> you know, whereas a defeat mm-hmm. lasts forever. You drag that around for the rest of your life, and you use it as motivation and everywhere else. I think that's probably the best way to think of it. Okay, when you phrase it that way, when you phrase it that way, I think that's that does describe me a little bit more. I think probably I, th- I think I think defeats probably linger longer, mm-hmm. and victories are fleeting. Um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, pe- people like us, we, that's why we need to keep achieving, mm-hmm. keep going because you don't rest on your laurels. That's actually what they call a soft truth, SOF truth, the special operations forces truth. You never rest on your laurels. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of, and it kind of gets to this other saying that you hear a lot in the SEAL teams, which is the only easy day was yesterday. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that means that quite literally too, in buds, you know, yeah. that it only gets harder, but it's also, it's also a way of, it's also a way of saying that you, you, you cannot rest on what you've accomplished. Right. That's, that makes you lesser of a man. Should you do that? That's you know, fascinating. It, it effectively means that you've quit. Um, <laughs> so I don't know, maybe, maybe that answers your question. It does. It answers it perfectly. Listen, Congressman Dan Crenshaw, I can't thank you enough for your time today. Thank you for putting all of this into perspective and stay in touch. I'd love to talk to you again soon. I appreciate that. Thanks, right. Josh. Take Thanks care. for having me. So look, um, not everybody's going to love that, uh, but that's in my view, what the ruthless variety program is for is I, having these kinds of debates. I can give so much credit. There was like zero filter. No, he was just like, this is not a press release. This is what I have to say. Amazing. I well, encourage said, everybody to do that. Come on the show and, and, and don't care who listens. Just as, say what you're thinking. As he said, it would be much easier for me to take another path, right? And there's no question about that. It would have been easier for him 
to come on Ruthless and talk about how his statements were sort of mischaracterized and how he, you know, it didn't mean mm. exactly what he what he meant. Instead, he decided to provide exactly what he meant. And for that, I appreciate it. So I think there needs to be a little more context to that because for our listeners who maybe don't follow everything in politics all the time is that the economics of politics has changed dramatically just in the last, you know, four years. Yeah. And that is, you know, being a bomb thrower and um, complaining about your own party is financially beneficial to you because of small dollar donors. Well, it's what he said. What gets conservatives the most riled up is the idea that some other conservative betrayed you. I mean, like, Correct. Uh, you know, I'm still very heated. I don't, I do not like any of these like red flag law. I think our country's bedrock and foundation is the second amendment. So I always have issues with that. That said, shit, I, I, I gotta give props for the, I mean, you don't really have to give props for a Navy SEAL for courage, but you know, props, That's fair. props for him having courage well, and being like <clears throat> zero. I'm just going to say what I'm thinking. Well, so I, and I, I, I think what he hit on there is correct. My, my one counterpoint to what he said in there is that I think sometimes it's worthwhile as a movement to fight for things where we don't know if we can win. That sometimes it makes sense to fight for things on principle, even when we can't win. Let me give you an example. But I don't think that's what he's saying. I don't, I don't think he's saying that at all. I don't think he, well, I don't think he was saying it's not worth fighting the good fight. What he's saying is it's not worth deceiving people into believing something is attainable when it's not. That is true. 100% true. And this is something we've talked about previously on the program. And we dealt with this ahead of January 6th, right? Right. Where it was like people were convincing voters that we could somehow invalidate the election, which we, which actually couldn't be done, right? Right. And, and convincing people that there were other Republicans who somehow just didn't have the guts to stand up and do something about it, which was wrong. Right. But there's a difference between that and doing things where we don't think we necessarily can win immediately, but that in in fighting for something that matters long term, we build success. What I think about is like something like, you know, the pain capable abortion. Sure. You know, where like, you know, we will we'll introduce that in the floor of the United States Senate and think, you know what, maybe we don't win this fight. But it's important that we have this fight because long term, it establishes where the other side is. Listen, I think that he would agree with that. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's sort of a sponsor of legislation like that. I I don't think that's the issue. I guess what I'm just saying is there's a sweet spot between saying that, you know, everything is performative or it's or it's successful. You see what I'm saying? I do see what you're saying. I do think, but I think he draws a hard line there between, and I asked him, I'm like, are you, you know, I mean, you heard him. Is this the freedom caucus you're talking about? And he was like, no, it's very specific. I work well with Jim Jordan right. and everybody else. It's very specific. And I think I think what he is talking about is people who try to create issues that simply don't exist in reality in order to try to make themselves appear like the true con. But my, 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 the, the thing, and, and the thing that I agree with him with is that I am okay with you fighting something that we can't win on principle. What I'm not okay with is you fighting for that and then saying everybody else is spineless and won't stand up for this thing. Because that's where you sort of cross that line, right? Where it's like, 
yeah, there's things that we might not always be able to win that it's worth fighting for, but to then turn around and be like, you know, these Repu- these other Republicans are actually the problem is just bullshit. And it's ideologically bankrupt to say that because it's just not true yeah. to the reality of what we have in Congress, oh, right? I, I, I agree. I agree. I think what he's basically saying and what he's showing is that in a world of bomb throwers, grifters, and posers, the one-eyed man is king. <laughs> Incredible. I like that. It's a great episode. And you got to love it. I like that we can hash this out. And, uh, you know, a great interview. So, until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Tuesday. Stay ruthless. <laughs>